sequence start. Six, five, four, three, two, one. Welcome to Ignition. I'm your host, Dr. Chris Bergwald, and we want to set your faith ablaze so that you might live the adventure that comes from a relationship with Jesus Christ. Before we get into today's topic, we want you to know that we love listener feedback. So if you've got questions about today's episode, or if you have ideas for future episodes, please contact us. The easiest way you can do that is by email, and the address is ignition at sfcatholic.org. Again, ignition at sfcatholic.org. I'm excited to be joined on the phone today by Deacon Harold Brixie. Hi, Deacon Harold. Hi, Dr. Birdwell. Great to be with you. Great to have you on Ignition. Thanks for joining us. Deacon Harold and I are going to be talking today about the problem of racism in our country. We've just celebrated the 4th of July. We're called uh, by, by God, by the church, by the catechism to love our country. But that means whenever you love somebody, you have to acknowledge, you have to recognize the areas that, that they need to grow in. So how do we need to grow? How do we need to love our country? How do we need to grow as Americans, especially around the problem of race? race relations and racism in general. So we're talking about how we as Catholics living in our country look at the problem of racism and some of the things around that. That's what we'll be talking about today on Ignition. If you've never listened to the show before, again, my name is Chris Bergwald. I'm the Director of Adult Discipleship and Evangelization with the Diocese of Sioux Falls. Diocese of Sioux Falls is basically Eastern South Dakota, all the Catholic churches um, in Eastern South Dakota. I've been in this role for well, since 2002, uh, been in the role of husband to Jermaine since 1999, so just about 21 years now. Um, she's from Ohio. I'm from central Minnesota, but all five of our kids are born and raised here in what is oftentimes, usually, sunny Sioux Falls, South Dakota. Deacon Harold, just in case we've got listeners who have never heard of you, listened to you, seen you before, would you mind introducing, introducing yourself to our audience a little bit? Sure, sure. I'm a, a permanent deacon in the Archdiocese of Portland in Oregon, although I'm from originally from the state of New Jersey. Uh, I was actually born in Barbados in the West Indies. I forgot I that. I immigrated to the United States, to New Jersey, and um, I, I grew up, I was actually the first baptized Catholic in my family. My mom is the first Catholic, uh, but she was a convert, and I'm the first one who was baptized as a Catholic, so I'm the oldest child. I grew up uh, Catholic in New Jersey, went to uh, all-boys Benedictine High School, went to college, uh, came back and joined the monastery, and uh, discerned out after a while, and uh, met my wife, and uh, she's originally from Oregon, so we made our way back out to the Pacific Northwest, and been living here now close to 25 years, a 23-year career in public safety and uh, law enforcement, and Left that in 2012 to speak and to write full-time, which I've been doing ever since, and traveling until this year, <laughs> about 250,000 miles a year all over the world. Right, right. But now, you know, the COVID-19 has kind of put a kibosh on that. Right. Um, but I'm still uh, working to find ways to connect with people and, uh, you know, and, and help people to bring a, to have a deeper appreciation and love of the Lord in their life every day. Praise God. We, we had you here several years ago. I know you, you've been in our diocese um, at least a couple times, and I brought you in uh, for a couple of, of presentations to a couple of different groups of men. So men's ministry, I think, is is, is has been at least um, a, a passion of yours. What are the other areas of, of ministerial passion for you, Deacon? Yeah, one of the things about, I guess, about me is that I'm a generalist. So I I speak on about 23 different topics 
uh, everything from men to marriage and family life to apologetics uh, to um, prayer um, and a number of other things too. So, uh, so I, I talk about a lot of different topics, which makes good, which makes life interesting, right? right. And fun. You know? so Amen. Just like talking about one topic all the time, you know. Yes, so it's, it's, it's really great. Great. So um, I sort of I reached out to you out of the blue uh, about a week ago um, because I came across an article by you in the Catholic online Catholic magazine, the Catholic World Report, um, on this topic of racism, especially in light of the killing of George Floyd in Minneapolis at the end of May, and then the the protests and then riots that kind of came after that. I thought it was a great article. I'd encourage everybody to check it out again. Catholic World Report, um, Deacon Harold Burke Severs. By the way, it's it's B U R K E hyphen S I V E R S, right? I didn't look it up. Is that right, yeah, Deacon? Right, okay, good. Yep. Great. So, so definitely check that article. But I just want to kind of, kind of turn it over to you, Deacon. Like, I, kind of that question again that I, I, I teased at the beginning. How do we, as Catholics in particular, think about? racism in our country. Some people think it's the thing. Some people think it's not a thing at all. I'm pretty sure the truth lies somewhere in the middle. But for you, at, at, as, as a black man, a black Catholic, a black permanent deacon living in the United States of America, how help us think about this problem through a Catholic lens. Well, first of all, as I mentioned in the article, we have to really understand what we mean by racism. Um, so, so I think sometimes people confuse racism and prejudice. Ah. So I, I talk about how prejudice, with regard to race, is really just a preconceived, a preconceived notion about someone that's not actually based in any fact or objective experience. Um, and, and that kind of thinking often leads to stereotyping. Okay. Um, so, for, so, for example, um, I, I grew up in New Jersey. But I know a lot of people that are from the South, and I know a lot of people in the South like to eat certain kinds of foods, like uh, shrimp and grits, right? Right. And so when I go to the South, I'm like, oh, you guys like shrimp and grits. But actually, I don't like shrimp and grits, because I, I just made an assumption that I met a lot of people from the South who like shrimp and grits, therefore everybody likes shrimp and grits. Sure. <laughs> right. That'd be a prejudice on my part. Right. You know, um, uh, so that's different than racism, which in, which includes prejudice as part of that definition, or discrimination that's directed at someone at a different race that says that my race is superior to your race. Um, so, so with that uh, distinction, so, with that distinction, Deacon Harold, just real quick, just to clarify, is prejudice in that sense is it, is it good, bad, or neutral? Like you go, you go into the South and thinking that everybody likes shrimp and grits. Is that a bad thing per se, or is that okay, or is it somehow a good thing? I don't, I don't know. Well, see, it's it, prejudice is not a bad thing uh, in in some spheres, like for example, with food or, the, or things like that. Um, but with regard to race, it, it could be a problem. So, right. for example, I went to um, University of Notre Dame for my undergraduate degree. And when pe- some people find out about that, in fact, even earlier this year, someone said, oh, you went to Notre Dame. What position did you play? Uh, they just assumed I played football. Yeah. I never played football in my life. Yep. So so, um, so th- the, the better question would be, oh, what did you study? Yeah. Not what position. I just, you just can't assume. I'm an academic scholarship. So you just can't assume that a, a black guy that went to Notre Dame played football. Right. That, that would be, that's not necessarily racist. Because that's not saying that my race is greater than your race, but it's making uh, 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 
of an opinion based nothing that's not based on fact or objective experience. Gotcha. So that would be a prejudice type of statement. So with regard to race, yes, those kinds of prejudices can definitely be problems. But as you said, that's not necessarily racism because I'm the person that's saying that may not think less of you because you're black, but they're making a presumption about what you must have done at Notre Dame because you're black. So it's a they're prejudiced, but not necessarily Correct. racist. Okay. Okay. Great. Correct. The, the racism piece comes in if he if he said that statement thinking that, well, my race is superior to yours because the only way black people can get into Notre Dame is by football because they're not as smart as white people. That, that, now you're yes. crossing the line okay. into racism at that point. Okay. But, I, I mean, but most people aren't like that. They just, they just like assume. They, they're not, don't mean anything mean by it. They just, they just <laughs> take a look at me and look at my size and go, oh, right. you must have been a fullback or something. <laughs> right, you know, right, because that, that is how you're built. Yeah. Did you wrestle? Did you tell me once, were you a wrestler? Am I remembering that right? I wrestled in high school. Okay, yeah, there I we go. Yeah, I wrestled in high okay. school. Okay, okay. Yeah, my, I, Notre Dame didn't have a wrestling team, um, but uh, but I and I wasn't planning on wrestling in college anyway. Right, but. right. <laughs> So, okay, so there's this distinction the first between prejudice, which may not be bad, but it can be bad, uh, the example you just gave. Uh, there, that's different, though, from racism. So wh- where do we go from there? Yeah, so we got racism. We're talking about like Ku Klux Klan, white supremacists, um, uh, groups like that, or, or anybody else of any race that, that, that makes statements and judgments about one my, my race, my color being superior to yours. Okay. So it's not now in, in our country today. That seems to be a, that's a black-white issue, but doesn't necessarily. Um, it's it's not um, only that, right? You know, it's it's not just uh, just limited to that. But for for the sake of of our conversation, what's going on today? So we'll talk about. So obviously, for us as Catholics, racism is a sin, right? <laughs> you know, it, it's something that divides um, our human family. And it does not recognize the image of and likeness of God and the other person standing in front of us. Um, uh, so to claim that someone is superior, the only one that's superior to all of us is Jesus Christ, is God. Amen. <laughs> and that's who we give worship and honor to. Um, but but even then, that's a filial relationship of love. Yeah. You know, um, just like a, just like a parents with a child. You know, that, that's the that's the kind of of love that we have for God. So it's not a uh, when we talk about fear of the Lord, it doesn't mean um, like, oh, I'm afraid of God. No, it's, it's Yahweh in Hebrew, which is uh, honor, reverence, and respect. So yeah. it's a filial type of fear. You know, and, and racism just denies the truth of the dignity of every human person that was made uh, in the image and likeness of God, uh, and, and how God became one of us, revealed himself in the mystery of the Incarnation. And so that the racism kind of takes away some of that power that Christ has, has given us, you know, um, and how to see each other as children of God. So that, that's why it's a, a bad for us as Catholics. Because it's denying, as you said, the, the fundamental dignity. I mean, and, and while we might not be equal in all sorts of ways, um, abilities, appearance, and so on, we're different. But but the church has always taught, based on the beginning of Scripture, Genesis, that as you said, we're all created in the image and likeness of God. So there's a fundamental dignity to dignity, and therefore equality, which we all share, and racism denies that and therefore it really denies something at the heart of how we understand the the human person right exactly right that's okay. exactly okay. it um and and like a beautiful example for example would be uh saint Teresa of calcutta because a lot of people <laughs> make the mistake of thinking that she was 
Indian, you know, from India. Right. Because she worked in Calcutta. She worked most of her life with the poor in, in India. But that's not true. She's Albanian. <laughs> who immigrated to India to do to right. find a charity and to work with the poorest of the poor. Um, and, and so when she saw someone, what, the leper, uh, the person dying of uh, uh, AIDS, the person dying of pleurisy or what, whatever disease that they had, you know, when she looked at someone, she cared for someone, she saw Jesus Amen. in that person. And that's how we need to see each other if we have any chance to, over, of overcoming um, racist attitudes in our country. If you're just tuning in to listen to Ignition, this is a broadcast for the New Evangelization. I'm your host, Dr. Chris Bergwald, talking today on the phone with Deacon Harold Burke Seavers, who's gone from, by the way, coast to coast, growing up in, well, I guess born in Barbados, growing up in New Jersey, and living now for, for many, many years on the West Coast uh, in, in Oregon, um, talking about the problem of racism. Deacon Harold's permanent deacon, um, the Archdiocese of Portland, talking about the problem of racism in the United States and looking at it from the Catholic lens, the Catholic perspective. So it's a sin to be a racist. It's wrong to be a racist because it denies the fundamental dignity and equality of each and every human being, no matter their ability or appearance, Deacon Harold. Um, now, looking at our country, uh, w- w- what's the next step sort of in the argument or the analysis? Well, first of all, one of the things we have to do is... is um, recognize that within ourselves, you know, um, uh, that some of us have prejudices or are even racist, because we're talking about learned behavior here. You know, when you see kids playing together, you know, um, they, they don't care, man, <laughs> four or five-year-olds, yep. they don't care what color you are, they're just kids, they just want to play. They don't recognize color. But it, it's different ways that these, uh, you know, whether it's, it's uh, images created by uh, media or movies, whatever it may be, jokes that, you know, just, oh, just an innocent joke or whatever, but you, you see enough of this stuff, you experience enough of these things, and they have a way of kind of seeping into our, even even subliminally or subconsciously, into our way of, of thinking and acting toward other people. And so what we need to do is recognize that, those within ourselves, and maybe think about, well, how did I, how did I get here? Was it my parents watching their example was it friends you know those kinds of things and work really hard to crucify that way of thinking uh. and really work hard with so so when someone's standing in front of you i don't like, when i'm standing in front of someone i don't want them to see me as black you know i want them to see me as deacon Harold servers yep you know because <clears throat> why is that especially as catholics when we stand before god at the end of our life god's going to ask you not how white you are how black you are how hispanic you are did you follow my son? Did you deny yourself, pick up your cross and follow me? Did you actually live out the Beatitudes? Did you actually do the things that my son asked you to do? That's, that's what's going to matter in the end. Um, so we as Catholics, you know, have to really understand it about ourselves and stay away from media outlets, individuals, organizations that encourage and perpetuate prejudice, uh, ideology and stereotypes. Um, or who propose violence as a solution to, to the problem right. of, of race. What are some ways, Deacon, that we can sort of maybe do an examination of conscience on this problem? What are the, some of the questions we should ask to help us either purify ourselves or maybe make sure, if, if we think, well, I don't think I'm a racist, but but I, I maybe should you know sort of 
confirm that or double check that uh, presumption or assumption, what are some questions we would ask ourselves to to discover, determine the extent to which whether or not we are actually racist in our perspectives, maybe in a way we didn't realize? Yeah, and I think this time of uh, COVID-19 is a perfect time to do that. You know, it's almost like God put a spiritual stop sign yeah. <laughs> on yeah. the whole world. You know, when you're driving a car, you get to a stop sign, you have to stop the car, and you have to look both ways, left and right, uh, and then proceed forward. So I think God put a real big spiritual stop sign with all this, with the lockdowns and the and and uh, the social distancing. And, and take this opportunity to take this spiritual pause and to look left, where did I come from? How did I come to this way of thinking, understanding, and then look right? Where am I going? How can I change? How can I deepen my relationship with God? How can I recognize these prejudices within myself? And ask, well, first of all, how did I get here? Why is it when I sometimes I walk into an elevator and, and there's you know, a Hispanic person or a black person, I get nervous, I get scared? Yeah. Is it because of the things I see on the news every night? Is it because of this? Or, why am I scared? I mean, this person didn't do anything to me. Is it? Well, I mean, so we have to really stop and take maybe, you know, some, some reflection and introspection on how we got there with our, with our attitudes. And to think about, well, well Lord, okay, um, you know, you, you said to treat each person as, a, as an individual and not as a group, you know? Um, and that's, that's what I try to do, even within myself. You know, I, I really want to look at people and see a person standing in front of me and not a stereotype. And, and it takes recognition um, and admission that we have those things within ourselves uh, and then work really hard and, and open the doors to dialogue right. um, on how we can really overcome those. So, for example, in, in parishes, you know, um, some parishes may not have many people of, of uh, color there, you know, in the parish, but there may be a neighboring parish, um, you know, bring some people in. Yep. And have like maybe an evening where you're sharing some ethnic foods and and, and hearing people's stories and hearing people's experiences about what happened about what they've experienced in the church. And you say so, well, wow, God, I never would think of myself like that. Well, you know, I, I just never thought, you know, before that these kinds of things could happen. And just really open our eyes to understand and, and appreciate the experience of of uh, people of different races and what they have to go through on a daily basis. I think that empathy. We'll help to make a, a connection there. The, yeah, that's a great idea. Just to interact with I to be um, a, a couple weeks ago, I, I went through a fast food restaurant drive through and this here in Sioux Falls, which is um, predominantly white, but a lot of different uh, ethnicity, ethnicities, minorities present. Um, and 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 the, the guy when I got my food, he was black. And I said, I was just curious in light of everything going on. Have you ever experienced uh, racism, or have you experienced much racism, if any racism, here in Sioux Falls? And 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 he actually he asked me to pull around, so he, uh, I got out of the van and he took a short break from from his his job, and we just had a nice little conversation about his experiences of racism because I asked him. So I think that's a great great idea, Deacon Harold. Related to that, I just want to, I don't want to necessarily go too far down the rabbit hole because we've only got about eight minutes left. Um, time flies when you're having fun. But but I, I, this one of the ideas that's getting a lot of attention is the idea of white privilege, um, which in some ways is the idea that maybe 
for so me as as ethnically a white man as as a white person that may it seems like it I I might be and maybe it's a distinct thing from white privilege but that I might be a racist without knowing it is it possible for me to be a racist without knowing it without having quote unquote racist attitudes what's your take on on that whole conversation yeah I, I, well first of all I, I don't like that term I, mean, I don't like the terms that put people in boxes or, you know, virtual signaling kinds of things. What, what, what I, now, now here, here's what, here's where I would think about it. Now think about the last time uh, that you got pulled over by the police, what that experience was like for you. Right. You know, um, you know, a, a, as opposed to when I get pulled over. <laughs> you know? yep. so, so for example, the, the, the cop walks up to the window. Now I was in law enforcement 23 years, right? So I know exactly what I'm supposed to do. I've, I've trained, uh, officers and, and all that kinds of things. So I know what they're supposed to do. But, you know, sometimes, like for me, when I get pulled out of the car, like, again, they walk up to the window and instead of asking for a driver's license, registration, proof of insurance, they say, get out of the car, turn the car off, get out, put your hands on top of the car. Like, and I still don't know why I was pulled over. Yeah. You know, um, when, when you see, when you see things like that, you know, so you think, oh, what is, what's going on? What did I do here? Uh, th- cause that really happened to me. And, and at the time I, I was wearing a Notre Dame ring. Yeah. And uh, and this was at night, and the officer was shining his flashlight in the car. Of course, there was nothing in it because I don't drink or smoke or do anything like that. And I was and and, and so he shined his light in my his light hit my ring, and he goes, "Oh, what school is that?" I said, "Notre Dame." And he said, "Oh, do you know Tim Brown? You know who was the Heisman <laughs> Trophy winner my our senior year and went on to play with the Raiders in the Hall. He's in the Football Hall of Fame now." I'm like, well, yeah, I, I know him. He, he's, oh my goodness! And he just thought about that. He's a Raiders fan. Oh, they're going to win the Super Bowl now that he's on there. And oh, right. I'm like, whoa! And then that was the end of it. He let me go, and I still don't know why I was stopped. <laughs> you, know, like, <laughs> you know, so so things like that. Um, when you're when you're a person who's who's who's, who's not um, uh, who's white, and and you know, those are kinds of experiences that you don't have often. Yep. Whereas I, I, they happen so often to people of color that I even have to teach my son now when he's driving. Son, when, a, when an officer pulls you over, you keep your hands on the, the steering because the first thing they train you is look for people's hands because hands can kill you. So keep your finger on, keep both your hands on the steering wheel if you need to reach for something. Say, officer, in order to show you my license, I'm going to have to reach into my pocket. Would that be okay? You know, I have to reach to the glove compartment. I don't, I, don't, I don't have any weapons. I don't have anything like that. No alcohol, no drugs, no weapons in the car at all. But I do have to reach into the glove compartment to show you my registration would that be okay Th- those kinds of things i mean we have to actually train our children to do that so that they can you know just in case they're not you don't know what kind of officer you're going to get when you get pulled right over. right um and so so because um uh, people who are white don't have to often go through things like that or for example another simple example walk through the i go to the grocery store shop my wife is irish and german so <laughs> we're checking out of the, of the grocery store and, and my job is always to um move push the cart and uh you know once the grocery and i I go i push the cart to the car so i was she was paying and i was finished loading the grocery i was moving the the, um in the cart toward the car and the person stops me oh excuse me excuse me sir those are her those are her groceries (laughs) wow yeah because i'm her husband yeah and (laughs) oh oh i'm sorry i'm sorry see so stuff like that i mean People that are white don't have to yep. deal with things like that a lot yep. of the time. So, so, that, so when they say white, when they say white privilege, um, I, I say I, I don't want people to think they have to apologize for being white. Right. 
right? Or you know, oh, we got to take back all the things because there are, there's a deep history of uh, you know of of um, you know slavery and things like sure. that, or, or uh, taking the American Indians and putting them on reservations and things. I mean, so all kinds of back history there. But but I again, we have to look at people as individuals. Yep. And 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 stop seeing people as stereotypes. What the, the examples that you so, just gave of of like the grocery cart incident, uh, getting pulled over simply because you're black, those might be examples though of of what some people would call systemic or institutional racism, right? Where it's not necessarily um, because an individual is racist, but it's a practice, if you will, that is is too widespread. Where where there are things happening simply because of somebody else's color. Um, it might be illegal. But it's at people's attitudes and how they 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 act towards well, uh, towards others. Yeah, I think we have to be careful <clears throat> with that term. Okay, uh, either institutional or systemic racism, because in order to claim that an institution is or is ra- or a system is racist, you have to show that that institution actively promotes. Ah, uh, great point. Through official or unofficial policies, procedures, or directives that enshrine the belief that one race is superior than the other. So, for example, I, I don't think the, that policing, the police officers are racist. Uh, I mean, it's systemic, but there are officers in there that are racist. Okay. The church herself, founded by Jesus Christ, is not racist, but there are individuals within the church who are. Amen. You see? So, yep. so, so I think we need to be careful when we talk about institutional race. Now, there used to be in this country, of course, right. slavery and Jim Crow laws and the Dred Scott versus John F. Sanford um, Supreme Court decision. Because <laughs> those were woven into the fabric of right. the culture. I mean, there were actually laws that openly discriminated. And even within the church, you know, the, the Knights of St. Peter Claver started because the Knights of Columbus would not allow black men into their group. Right. So that they started their own group called the Knights of St. Peter Claver. And, and so obviously that, that's not the case anymore. <laughs> right. But, uh, but I, I talked to many people who still... Even sometimes feel the residual effects of that. I, mean, I remember I showed up to a parish once because I, the parish was too far from the airport, so they asked me to rent a car. And so I got there and I I couldn't find the which house was the rectory. And so I pulled into the church parking lot. I got up to ask someone, and I just always walked and said, "Excuse me." And they turned around and said, "Oh, the St. Vincent de Paul, uh, the St. Vincent de Paul conference is closed today." Uh... And I said, "Um, okay." I said, I'm actually here because I'm doing the mission this weekend, and I need to find the record so I can be <laughs> Oh, oh Oops. I'm, sorry, I'm sorry. Yeah. You know, that kind of thing. And, and, and so uh, so that's, those are the kinds of things we need to be uh, aware of, I think. Amen. So, Deacon, we've got um, literally a minute left, 60 seconds. Any final thoughts? This is going by quick. This has been great. Any final thoughts for our listeners you want to share? Well, uh, I just want, you know, we have to lead with love in this whole thing. You know, we cannot respond with—we're with, with, uh, frustrated by what's going on, but we can't respond with violence or anger. Um, we always have to lead with love. So I would really encourage to really get to know individuals, get to know people, and, and not focus on, on stereotypes. Um, you know, Jesus had 12 people around him that were very different from all kinds of backgrounds, and uh, he, they, they were all exposed to the love of Christ. And so I think um, people need to see Christ living in and through us, and that's a good way to, to get the ball rolling. Praise God. Deacon Harold, thanks for being with us today. We'll have to have you back in South Dakota sometime soon, once we can travel again, right? 
Yeah, that'd be great. It's been a while. It has been a while. So we'll, we'll definitely have you back. And I'll have you back on Ignition at some point down the road as well. This has been a great episode. Folks, thanks for listening. Again, you can email us, ignition at sfcatholic.org, with any thoughts, questions, or ideas for future episodes. Until, until next time, dear listeners, may Almighty God bless you, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. <laughs>